And we have this lovely month of June together as we wind down uh, the 2021 and 2022 season and get ready for the fall of 2022. So I'm closing our time by talking about who we are as a woman, a woman of courage, who we are as a wife. And today we're going to talk about, are you married for life? Are you married for life? That's the question. What's the answer? It depends upon how you feel today, doesn't it? There are days when I know I'm married for life, but I'm not sure I want to be. Ever feel that way? Well, a number of years ago, I read an article that I was captured by its title, and the title was Unhitched Without a Hitch. Did you get that? Pretty clever, huh? Unhitched without a hitched, without a hitch. And I want to ask you, do you think that's possible? I don't know how many of you in this audience, this listening audience, have divorced somewhere in your history, your parents, yourself. I have divorced in my history, and it is not without a hitch. They're, they're only making light of it. They're only giving the overall, it's going to be better without it. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm going to say in the next few minutes. Because I know that there are circumstances. The scripture gives us options. There are some circumstances that require a man and a woman who have been married to be separated in their marriage. But they are not Many, they are few, and we see more and more and more divorce. When I looked at the massacre in Texas, and when all of the conversation begins immediately, and where do we go? We go to gun control. So let's talk about gun control. No, let's not talk about gun control, I think to myself. Let's talk about family. Let's talk about where these young men and women are being raised. Who are their mothers and fathers? Who are their brothers and sisters? How is their God in relationship to who they are? And are you married for life? Did you say yes till death do us part? Now, I'm calling this lesson, Are You Married for Life? But I have to tell you that it has been, and if you have been hanging around Homemakers or Donna Otto, Homemakers by Choice, you've heard me say this before. You're married for life, that means you've closed your exits. You've closed your exits. And I want you to know, this was very made very real to me probably 20 plus years ago. I'm driving on a new highway in Phoenix, Arizona. Remember that Phoenix, Arizona is a very new town. When my husband and I moved to Arizona 45 years ago, there were one, no, there were 1.5 million people in the whole state of Arizona. Did you hear me? 
Now there's over 5 million people in the Phoenix metro area. So we've been playing catch up when it comes to roads and highways. And on this highway, and I'm driving along, and I see the sign that says, exit closed. Now you know who I am. I have to say, well, that exit is closed for everybody, but not me, because that's my neighborhood. And, you know, it says exit closed, and then there's a small sign that says, except for local traffic. And I'm local traffic, so I keep driving on the road, and I keep waiting, and now I get to the exit, and it says exit closed. There is no little for local traffic. It is exit closed. There is no way I could get off my highway and get onto that road. And I have hands on the wheel. I'm experiencing this, and all of a sudden, that phrase came into my soul. That means if you're married for life, you've closed your exits. Now, the reason why that's so important is because did I get home? You're right, I got home. I did not take the highway I normally take. I did not take the thoroughfare I normally take. I got home. Was it harder? Yes. Did it take a little longer? Yes. But my exit was closed. And that's what I think it takes to be, are you married for life? Are you married for life? And the answer, I pray, is yes. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 5 and 6, it reads, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Yeah, but she's having an affair, or he's having an affair, and there's a third person, and they're doing the separation. Let no one separate. And when we talk about marriage and married for lives, we talk about simply submitting. We talk about intimacy. We talk about respect and admiration in marriage. We talk about why we get married and biblical concepts. That is a part of the curriculum at Modern Homemakers. And we teach these things regularly to help us all recognize that we said yes and we said yes for life. There is a film that came out, I don't know, 15, 18 years ago, maybe 20 years ago now, and it's called Shall We Dance? And Richard Gere and Jennifer Lopez and Susan Sarandon are the key players. There are a lot of players in the film. And Richard Gere is a mild-mannered attorney they live in Chicago, and he's taking the elevated back and forth from home to the downtown office, and his life feels very dull. It's very routine. He knows from his eyebrows up that life is good. But one day he's riding home on the elevator, and he sees a sign that says dance lessons. And for some reason, this mild-mannered man gets off the train, goes downstairs. He signs up for dance lessons to relieve himself of the dull feeling. And he finds himself in a ballroom dancing with none other than Jennifer Lopez. Now, he keeps this from his wife a little bit because he's embarrassed about it. He's an up-and-coming, good-looking attorney who has a good job and a lovely wife whom he loves dearly, Susan Sarandon. 
And she's a wife, like all of us, who suddenly something senses in her, there's something wrong. She's intuitive about this. And what does she first do? She thinks the first thing is he's having an affair. She goes full out, hires a private investigator, and finds out that Richard Gere, her husband, is just dancing. Nothing more. He's just dancing. We could move in the direction of why weren't they able to talk to each other? Why wasn't he able to say that there was dullness in his marriage? I don't really know. But there's one scene in the movie that changed my thinking in so many ways about marriage. Because Susan Sarandon goes to the um, private detective and he gives his evidence a piece of paper. And Susan Sarandon responds kind of emotionally and she's, she sort of feels like, yeah, I knew that he couldn't have. And the detective says, I don't take you for a romantic. And she says, I'm not a romantic, but I think your husband or your wife is someone who is a witness to your life. I don't know why, but that word just makes my heart just well up. A witness. Not a changer, not a teacher, not a fixer, just a witness. My husband's an attorney. He brings witnesses to the stand when he was in the courtroom to attest to a fact or an event. It gives, these testimonies give evidence on what has happened and who is present, which makes one feel not alone. Marriage, one another, is a witness to your life, to the facts and events to your life that they remember. Did you forget some of them? I have. I've forgotten some of them, and occasionally David would say, well, and I go, oh, I completely forgot about that. The children of God in Israel are giving witness to the mighty deeds and wonders of God. Many of you have walk through a marriage ceremony of your own, but by now are walking through it with your children and your nieces and your nephews. A witness give grounds for believing in the existence or the presence of someone. You've heard me talk about relationships here if you've been a part of Modern Homemakers, and I often say that relationships, I use the house metaphor. They start at the curb, the curb of the street. I can still remember meeting my husband, David, and he brought his little Volkswagen and he was puttering at the curb and we were just getting to know one another. And I went out and sat on the curb while he puttered. And I look at that picture and I think that's where our relationship was. It wasn't in the house. It wasn't in the kitchen. It wasn't in the living room. It certainly hadn't progressed in marriage to the bedroom. It was a curbside relationship, but that's how they start. And you watch relationships and you witness to one another of what is going on in each other's lives. And this is not much different than the generations who have gone before us. In all this, take particular care that your husband, your servants, your parents do not suffer by your too long stayings in the church or your too 
far retirement for prayer or for your failing to care for your household. You must not only be devout to God, but your love and devotion must make you more lovable to everyone. The sourdower woman who is always at the church, always doing religious things, wanting to know more about God and forgetting about their children and their husband and those that God has given them. Well, those words I just read were written by Francis de Sales in 1856, and they certainly are true of today. Be a witness to your husband's life. And then be a witness of the life of Jesus in your life. Becky Pippert, who is well known for being a woman who speaks about introducing Jesus to each other. And she says that our communication of the gospel depends on our human strategies and our well-polished techniques or even brilliant reasoned arguments, but on divine initiation on divine initiation, on God coming into us and speaking through us to those we love. Do you listen to your family? Do you listen to your husband? Do you listen and pray while you listen? Do you pray for him and try to figure out what God is doing in him? Acts chapter 1 verse 8, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We are just now coming on the 50th day after Easter. And I've been reading the book of Acts with just such revel. Oh my goodness. You know, I, we go through all this preparation for Easter and, and things, I'm not Thanksgiving, but Easter and the crucifixion and the resurrection and then the weeks that follow are these sudden realizations that there is a new church. There's a new church in town. And the book of Acts is all about what that new church began to do and did do. And it's a very exciting journey. And the Spirit came upon them and the Spirit came upon them. And when the Spirit came upon them, they were changed and they saw things differently. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, the very last two verses of the book of Matthew. And it starts with, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is with you. Jesus is with your marriage. Jesus is with your husband. Are you witness to his life in God? Are you letting him be witness to your life in God? How you serve, how you learn, how you address your own fears, how you ask for forgiveness. Are you easy to confess your sins to your husband? Are you easy to say, I'm sorry? Do you make it easy for him to say, I'm sorry? Or does he have trouble saying, I'm sorry? Men traditionally have more trouble saying they're sorry than women, but that's no excuse for men and certainly no excuse for women. Do you get so busy that you let the little things catch up with you and you don't take time to even say, I'm sorry for the smallest things. Many years ago, I was called to do a daily examine of my life. Did you hear that? Daily. I can still remember thinking, are you kidding? 
Who has time for that? But I began on my three-ring notebook, and I think we'll talk about journaling one time before the summer begins. My three-ring notebook paper, which I can take everywhere with me. I fold a few pieces up and take my, put them in my Bible. I always take my Bible, no matter where I travel. And every day, wherever I am, I write the date and wherever I am. You know, hot Scottsdale, cool Boston, Europe, Everywhere I've ever been, I write wherever I am, and sometimes I write the temperature. And then I start with these two words, review, which is what happened yesterday, preview, what I'm thinking about today. In my review, I'm often reminded of something I did, something I did that pleased God, something I did that was so simple that he says to me, that was good. Something I did that I need to make amends for. Something I did that I don't need to make amends for, but I need to acknowledge that I'm still weak in that area. My review and my preview. The Puritans called marriage the little church within the church. In marriage, every day you love and in every day you forgive. It's an on-growing sacrament. It's a love and forgiveness and submission to one another. It's nobody being superior to the other. Life in marriage is about witnessing the life of another human being, your husband, and allowing him to witness your life, confessing and asking for forgiveness. I pray that these two points that are so important to marriage, being a witness to your husband's life, being a witness to your husband's life in Christ and how Christ uses him, will open your eyes wide to the man that you are living with. And men, if you're listening, will open your eyes wide to the woman you are living with. May there be a new sense of transparency and honesty as we seek to be the witness to each other as we determine to close our exits. And the phrase that was so um, clever that they gone on hitched without a hitch would not be a part of our lives because we would always say that we are married for life married for life. Father, we thank you for this time and we ask you to bless these words. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of being a witness to your mate's life.